welcome to the Doors of Heritage podcast. My name is Cindy. As we continue our journey to learn of historical buildings in Amherstburg, this episode will highlight the Lighthouse Baptist Church. For this podcast, local historian Robert Honor will provide an overview of this building. Robert is a native of Amherstburg and retired from Parks Canada at Fort Malden National Historic Site of Canada. His interests are fine arts, architecture and heritage. Robert is an artist, member of Amherstburg Heritage Committee, Bellevue Conservancy and Architectural Conservancy of Ontario. We also have Dr. Adrian Nineber, lead pastor of the Lighthouse Baptist Church joining us, and we will hear more about him and his ministry a bit later on. Robert, what can you tell us about the origins of the Lighthouse Baptist Church? On December 5th, 1840, the Crown granted patent 120 on lots 30 and 31 on the west side of King Street to Jean-Baptiste Mercure. In 1849, John's widow, Angelique, added a codicil to her last will and testament, which said, I give and devise the whole of my real property in Amherstburg, being lots 30 and 31 on the west side of King Street, with appurtenances upon the trust that it be approbated and used for Catholic school purposes. So in effect, she left the properties to St. John the Baptist Church uh, for education use. Correspondence written by Bishop McDonald in 1828 mentions the French Catholic school in Amherstburg. Jean-Baptiste Mercure and his wife operated a common school at their home on the southwest corner of King and Gore Streets from 1829 through to the 1840s, which appears to have been bilingual and supported the French Catholic population. Mrs. Mercure taught in her home until finally a log schoolhouse was built on this property in the 1850s. In 1875, the log schoolhouse was replaced with a large limestone building which contained two rooms. They had folding doors between them that acted as a partition so the building could be opened into one large space. There was a spacious platform at the north end of the building which was used for meetings of the Catholic Men's Temperance Association and the St. John the Baptist Society. The South End was used as a schoolroom for educating senior boys. The cornerstone was laid on May 23rd, 1875, and the new St. John the Baptist Parish Hall was dedicated on December of that year. The stonework was done by John Ryan, Zenobi Morin framed the roof, and S.O. Ruhr was in charge of carpentry. The parish hall was heated by a hot air furnace from the basement and lit by a bronze chandelier and other lamps. By 1879, the building was used solely as a parish hall and a gathering place for various functions of the parish. After 1911, it was used by students for a gymnasium, school gatherings, parish dances, and later for high school graduation dances and proms. In time, parish use of the building dwindled. It dwindled to the point where further funds for upkeep were not justified, and it was sold. The Diocese of London sold the building to Mr. Orlando Luca, who in 1971 sold the building 
to a Baptist congregation who renamed it Lighthouse Chapel. Wow, that's interesting. What can you tell us about the heritage attributes of the building? The building was constructed entirely of limestone, 84 feet facing King Street and 34 feet facing Gore Street. It is one story with 16 feet from floor to ceiling and has a gabled roof with the ridge running the length of the building. There were two rooms separated by a partition of folding doors. The King Street facade had evenly spaced doors and windows of six bays, one door, then two windows. Window proportions are tall and narrow and with added height of transoms, all appropriate for the time. A steeple tower clad in limestone and 70 feet high has been added to the north facade and additional rooms have been added to the back. Robert, can you add a bit more of the most recent history? In the summer of 1967, the Association of Regular Baptist Churches of Canada began a new church. On January 23, 1971, a charter membership meeting was held with the desire of a Baptist church being formed in accordance with the constitution of the Evangelical Baptist Church of Amherstburg. At that meeting, a decision was made to make an offer to purchase the property and building known as 266 King Street for the price of $15,000. On September 2nd, 1971, the first prayer meeting was held in the new building. The first service was held on October 3rd, 1971 with 69 people in attendance. In August of 1976, Lighthouse joined the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches of Canada. Are there any other recent improvements to mention? Well, in 1983, the church's latest improvement was a steeple, 21.3 meters or 70 feet high at a cost of $114,000. The town of Amherstburg donated the old iron bell to the Lighthouse Church. It used to hang in the bell tower in the original fire hall in Amherstburg. The bell is about the same age as the original building, approximately 1875. On January 4, 1987, an accidental fire blazed to the sanctuary and caused $100,000 of damage to the 111-year-old building. Two years later, on January 1989, the church held an open house to celebrate the newly renovated church. In, in 2016, Lighthouse Baptist Church was up for sale and looking to close its doors. Thanks, Robert. We would now like to introduce Dr. Adrian Nineber, lead pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church. Adrian and his wife, Rose, have a heart for people and families. They reach out to the hurting families in the community through grief support and divorce counseling. Adrian holds two master's degrees and a doctorate and is also a world-class powerlifter. Adrian and Rose love the outdoors and spending time with their beautiful grandchildren. In the fall of 2016, an invitation was extended to Pastor Adrian Nineber, asking him to prayerfully consider taking on the ministry at Lighthouse. With much prayer and faith, Pastor Adrian and Rose left Harvest Bible Chapel, Windsor, to shepherd and guide the Lighthouse Church in a rebuilding process. 
Other families came along with them to help in rebuilding the lighthouse. On June 4, 2017, the official restart began. Within a few short months, God brought more people to serve. Lighthouse Church continues to be affiliated with the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches of Canada. Thanks for joining us, Pastor Adrian. Hey, how you doing? Great. Can you tell us a bit of the recent history of your church since you've been the pastor? Okay. And uh, we started in June of 2017. And uh, it was about 15 people that we started with. We started with some new families. The building was really in disrepair and uh, in poor shape. And so part of the process of starting the church was also uh, trying to look after the facility in itself. Part of that process included um, putting a new roof in the building and then talking to some of the individuals that were actually on the board 20 years earlier it had been a struggle for that congregation to do anything of any merit. And so in that process, uh, we uh, started fundraising and uh, God bless in a unique way. I remember going to the mailbox and seeing a $5,000 check anonymously written to help us with that. Money came in from the church. We also approached the fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Church's program called Baptist Builders, who also did a fundraiser across Canada. And we received $12,000 through that as well. And in uh, February, I believe of 2018, uh, we actually had a mild week that winter. And uh, I was able to get a team uh, from my cousin in, uh, in the Kitchener Waterloo area, they came up with a team and we put a, we tore off the old roof, the old four by eight barn, uh, barn, barn roof metal, I guess it was called, four by eight sheets. And we replaced it with a beautiful, beautiful uh, metal roof on the building. And by God's grace, the whole thing was paid off, cash, everything included uh, by June of 2018. God, in a wonderful way, built it. We also, Approached the Windsor Star at that point because there had been a negative article written about the church and its struggles and problems. And we say, hey, uh, basically the church is under new management and uh, things are changing. And uh, they did a wonderful article and they got us a lot of good uh, rapport in the community. And people came out to start seeing what was going on as the church took on new life and uh, the structure was being rebuilt. Um, and new families started coming out and checking things out. And we did run Grief Share, a 16-week program to help people through the grieving process. We also ran a divorce care program, which we saw people from the community come to that, actually from the greater Windsor area as well. And so as we started adding on programs and developing those things, it was a, a means to invite people to come to the church. Uh, we've also replaced one of the furnaces. So one thing about an old building, I think part of the question is coming up later on about that. There's a lot of upkeep. But uh, people walk in to that facility and they see those limestone blocks. I give them a tour. They go like, wow, these walls are really thick. Sometimes in places that are over 16 to 18 inches thick. And if you look at the structure that that fellow built uh, in terms of the attic, you walk up there, you see the, the Douglas firs that were used to build those beams. They're massive. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great it's been a great blessing, and uh, the church has grown numerically. Probably on average, prior to the pandemic, we were in the mid '60s already. Within a few years, uh, there was a lot of growth. We were really thankful for that. 
that's really encouraging and exciting to hear uh, just the provision and, you know, the new families coming. So what attracts your members to conducting ministry in this historical space? And how does knowing more about the history of the building encourage or challenge you? What attracts people to the ministry of the church? It's, it's actually where we're said we're friendly very warm, inviting. I, I tell people that if they're looking for anonymity, don't come to Lighthouse Church. It's not going to happen. So if, uh, but if you like to go to a place where you're going to feel warm, welcome, and you're not going to get out of the church without being greeted, and uh, uh, that's Lighthouse is the place. So um, it's taken on a new life of its own, and we're grateful to God for that. Uh, in terms of the, the uh, building itself, going back to your question, um, the the like the, the the it's more of a chapel feel when you walk in. You can walk into uh, newer church structures, and one of the things you'll notice about newer church structures is that there's no windows. It's all black. It's like you're at a concert. Whereas when you walk into Lighthouse, there's beautiful bright windows. There's lots of daylight, and it has a, an old school kind of charm to it that uh, feels very welcoming, and people really enjoy that. That's great. Yeah, I, I appreciate the light and the beautiful windows in there too. Um, so a, another topic, in these difficult times of the pandemic and church shutdowns, can you tell us a little bit about your experience just with the local residents or charities, other nonprofit organizations, other churches, the town administration and council, that type of thing? How, how have you experienced community these days? One of the things we've done at Lighthouse, a uh, little sidestepping your question a little bit, but is that we also work together with an organization called Safe Families. And Safe Families minister to uh, people that are struggling, that are hurting all throughout Essex County. But we said, you know what, we really believe in your ministry and we want to help you out. So they actually have offices in the church at no cost to them whatsoever. We financially actually support them and uh, encourage them in their role. And so in terms of difficult times doing that, that's, that's a huge issue. Uh, we also, I think we take up special offerings different times of the year. What we did last year, I think we raised, uh, I think about $5,000 and we gave half of that. No, we gave, we actually raised 11,000, pardon me. And we gave five fifty five hundred, I think, to uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center in uh, Windsor. And we gave another 5500 to uh, uh, the uh, Safe Families Program. And that was a real blessing and encouragement to them as well. So from time to time, we do that. The other thing, too, that we do as a church is we try to keep our ears to the ground as to what are the needs in the community. And I think that's, that's huge. Uh, I can tell you one story that we had an individual uh, just recently that was struggling. Uh, they had received the notice from the town of Amherstburg that their lawn had not been mowed and they were going to be fined. And so we uh, dug into that a little bit through some of the people in our church and found out that uh, the fellow that owned the house had actually died in the hospital, a young man in his 30s, and his widow was just really struggling. So he said, what can we do to help? And so, well, we got some lawnmowers out. We mowed all the grass. There was a lot of junk around the house that needed to be cleaned up. We got about seven or eight guys in a big dumpster and uh, cleaned it all up. And I remember them coming to us saying, what? What do I owe you for this? I said, nothing. We love to help people in this community. There is no charge. Another thing too is when we find people that are grieving and struggling, and one gal lost her husband, died, 
and she said, uh, I really could use a funeral service for my husband. And, and I said, we'll look after it. And we looked after, we provided the meal, provided the food, looked after everything. And she said, what's it going to cost me? I said, nothing. We're a family. We look after one another. That's how we do ministry in this community. And the other, you talk about how do we do ministry in the community? I think we have to really seek to develop relationships. Uh, my favorite day of the week, just to be honest with you both, is really Wednesday. Because at Wednesday, you can go to Mealtime Express and get a half price burger. It's the best burger in town. And so I uh, meet with people at that place. I know the owner and his wife. And when they do their fundraiser for the Santa Claus gift uh, program, I'm a part of that. And I just love uh, doing that. I've actually prayed with some of the waitresses in that restaurant. Uh, I've engaged with different people. Um, I even get out to Armando's now. They've got a really good deal on slices of pizza just about every day of the week, except Mondays, I found out. Yes, food is a, is, a, is a big part of reaching out to people and just fellowshipping and being with them and encouraging them. We uh, haven't done much with grief share and divorce care. Uh, the only thing that we, uh, we've we done Zoom, but Zoom, uh, using that process it's hard connecting people over the long term. It works, I would say, short term, maybe four or five weeks, maybe six, you're stretching it. But after that, people get zoomed out. They just don't want to engage. So uh, we are in talking in talks again with Feeding Windsor. And I'll be talking with Roger Fordham this week. We had already had planned prior to the pandemic about doing a meal on Thursday nights at the church for those who are homeless and needy on the streets of Emmitsburg. I know the fellowship mission, the, the mission uh, agency looks after meals in the mornings and afternoons, but there's nothing right now in the evening in Amherstburg to help those that are in need. And so we thought, we, I've talked with uh, Tim McAllister and said, hey, what can we do to do this? And so we're kind of partnering with Feeding Windsor and we hope, we hope by God's grace to launch this fall with a meal for people that could use help. So. Uh, I probably get a lot more things I could share, but uh, I love that, that suffices. That's wonderful. Uh, very exciting things happening. Um, back to the building now, just for a minute, because I know it, a lot of your focus is people, not necessarily the building, but are there any structural features or historical background of your facility that you feel really add to the overall ministry experience, say on a Sunday morning or something like that? You mean the teak wood that's all uh, been uh, done very nicely at the top of the ceiling in the sanctuary? I don't know. Uh, we're looking at doing some more renovations on the facility. We want to be able to expand within the context of the building itself. But the, the big thing is, uh, what does the how does the building contribute? It, it just it's like going back in time a little bit when you walk through the doors. It's uh, church the way it used to look. However, the the service style. And the way it's things are presented, a little bit more up to date. So uh, that part is very rather unique. So because uh, uh, I've met people that actually, uh, you might find this interesting. That said, I remember going here to a dance. I said, really, a dance in this church? And I remember one fellow saying, Yeah, I even played basketball here. I said, Oh, really? As a matter of fact, if you lift the carpet up, you'll find there's hardwood floors under here. I said, Wow, that that's really. So it's been interesting when people walk back and because it's been around so long, I find people that come back to the church, kind of check it out. They've all got a story about something that took place there. And I think that's really wonderful. 
Awesome. Well, that kind of ties into some of the history Robert was telling us about the students using it. So it must have been they had dances and basketball there before. Um, okay, so um, is there anything that you want to share in addition to what you've already shared with our listeners just about your unique ministry? I, th I think the, the one thing that will, will be a challenge to us is the limitations in terms of size as we continue to grow as a church, but there's a uniqueness to that building that is that uh, that creates a sense of presence in the community and uh, engages. We're, we're grateful for some of our seniors that actually work on the flower beds. I think maybe when they do the flower uh, walkthrough in Amherstburg, they had to stop by the church to take a look because uh, we've got a lovely lady that looks after our flowers and they are, wow, they are beautiful. I think, you know, when I talked to her, I said, well, why, why do you do this? She said, it's my therapy. I said, well, I'm enjoying your therapy. Uh, as I look at all these beautiful, you know, flowers that are all decorated around the church, it's, it's really enhanced. So, uh, but we want Lighthouse, as the name, to be a light of hope and encouragement in the town of Amherstburg. That's, that's our desire. Wonderful. Just wondering, Robert, if you had any questions for Pastor Adrian? Not too, well, not too much pertaining to the building. Uh, you, it's been very interesting hearing your talk and, and some of the comments that, that people make to you that they remember being in that building back when it was, I guess, the old parish hall for St. John the Baptist Church. Uh, so it's interesting that the building has started with uh, a sacred purpose and still continues on in that pathway today. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's very reassuring. So, Pastor Adrian, how can people connect with you? Um, and do you want to give us your service times, any upcoming events, needs for volunteers, community outreach you've talked a little bit about? I know it's uncertain right now, but um, anything you want to share with our listeners? Well, this fall, we will be starting a divorce care program, and that'll be coming up. That'll be announced. It'll be on the web. Uh, we have a, a web page uh, for Lighthouse Amherstburg. We're also on. Uh, we're also on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube. If you want to even check a service out, you can go to a YouTube channel and look up Lighthouse Amherstburg, and you get a complete service. Uh, you can go to Facebook. We've got a page there. Yeah, all the social media avenues we venues we use uh, readily. Uh, matter of fact, I just had a call from a gal. Uh, last week that said, oh, pastor, I've been listening to your messages now for six months on YouTube. I said, well, that's great. So I'll be in church Sunday. I like your preaching. I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's it's a new day in terms of, you know, you, in the old days, people used to go church shopping. Now they go online and check you out and then they come. So uh, that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm glad. I think with the podcast that we use, we're also on... Um, Oh, we're on the Google platform. We're also on uh, a few other platforms for podcasts. But I remember one point, uh, the guy that's in charge of putting it all down for me said, uh, do you know that your message is being listened to in over 120 countries around the world? I was rather surprised. So this pandemic has brought unique blessings that we never saw. But going back to ministry, we're, so we're, yeah, we're launching Divorce Care in the fall. Um, life groups are going to be launching too uh, early October. And uh, we have a youth program that we run on Tuesday nights. Our services right now are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And uh, yes, you have to wear a mask. That's the mandate from the town council in Amherstburg. And we're happy to follow that guideline 
absolutely. And youth is on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. And uh, you can find out about that also by going to our website, lighthouseamersburg.com. And uh, you'll find out all about it. Uh, I'm just trying to think of anything else that's coming up that we know about. So we've been very blessed that uh, with the protocols we follow, we've had no incidents uh, with COVID-19 at Lighthouse. And we're grateful for that. Sounds great. Well, just thank you so much, Pastor Adrian, for joining us today and Robert for the great history um, on the building. And we just thank our listeners for walking through the doors of heritage with us until next time.